It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and the off switch to my Sean Strickland microphone, Nick Braccia. How are you, my you friend? Wi- you, it's because you always wish that I'm here. Uh, I'm all right, man. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm trying to get excited for this card. You need to try. Like you're looking at this and you're like, I'm not. I'm not just automatically excited. Not for, the main and the co-main. Not thrilled. There's. I am. If I'm speaking frankly, the fight I'm most excited about is Brunson Cannoneer, because I think I think it's a really interesting matchup of two guys who um, would have mental hiccups in the cage who have um, improved that aspect of their game. I don't want to suggest that they're infallible, but I think they're, I think they're both, uh, they're both better. And they've shown even in Cannoneer's most recent defeat against Whitaker look great. And I think this is like the perfect time for those guys to fight because one of them is either going to get a title shot or an eliminator. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right about that. And, and more importantly, we get to continue to see Blonde Brunson making that shit not only look Love good, Blonde Brunson. But it, it comes with skills. It comes with conditioning. It comes with uh, just high-level training camp. Nick, this blonde hair, there is something Samson-like about it. It's, uh, it's both Samson-like and um, Samsung-like. And that it's bright and scintillating and comes to us in 1080p. I, I think that... That like, was, wow. That was awful. I think that, that any awful. listeners that were listening to the first couple of minutes of the show, it's safe to say they're gone now. The only ones that are still listening to what we're saying, Nick, are ones that are like looking for the My pause mom. button or like their their iPhone is like the screen's kind of frozen or something and it's not letting you click. It was awful. They're stuck listening to us, Nick. You have my permission to edit that out. No, I, I think that, and you know what? I think we're going to keep this in. I think that's part of our charm, Nick, is is our dad jokes combined with okay. uh, combined with like deep dive-ins into, into high-level mixed martial arts, right? Like there's something to that pairing, Nick. It's never been done before. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the guys who are currently fighting because of the CTE will be able to perform on our level. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying we at our best on, in podcast form are about as good as a guy suffering from like severe CTE but still competing. Yes. Man, that's rough. Nick, we are going to break down UFC 271. Izzy Adesanya versus Bobby Knuckles in the main event. I know you're not excited about it. I don't know why you're not excited about it. I'm so into this fucking fight. I think Second verse, same as the first, baby. I don't think it's that simple. I, I think that Robert Whittaker definitely brings a lot to the table, and I think there's some, some very yeah, simple yeah. mistakes he can avoid, some things he can do to give himself a, a pretty good chance of winning this fight. But, you know, it's Izzy. It's not that simple. At middleweight, nobody has touched him yet. I think he's 19 or 20, you know, at middleweight. Um, and then we have Derek Lewis tied to Ivasa. Nick, I don't know why the fuck you're not excited about this fight. It is. I'm, it exci- is, I'm, exci- I'm excited for that fight, but I'm pretty confident about what's going to happen. I think you're crazy to be that confident about what's going to happen. Now, do, I, I, I generally tend to agree with you, but you're crazy to think it that confidently about it. Like, that's crazy talk. I'm extremely confident. Both of these guys are extremely like. dangerous. Both of these guys have been knocked out by other fast, heavy hitters. In fact, they've both been knocked out by JDS specifically. 
which is always fun. Yeah, they have. So, um, so, so like the, the, to think that like this we'll, is we'll talk. This we'll is just as simple it. as that. Is is crazy talk? I'm excited about both those fights. I think I'm it's. I'm about- it's. It's. It, listen, for if it was if it was highlighting a fight night and it was free on ESPN Plus, I'd be excited about it. I'm just Are you like insane, Nick? 70, seventy five. Seventy five dollars, you, man. I'm gonna send you a link and and you send me lunch. How about that? Those links never completely work for me. Maybe it's because my Catholic guilt gets through. I could see that. My my Jewish guilt doesn't get come through at all, Nick. It's just like it, 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 it nibs at me and I just leave it at a distance. I ignore it, Nick. I act as if it's not there. I treat Jewish guilt like a like everyone should treat a bully. Fair enough, man. I just I either I just I kvetch and my whole life is fakakta. All right. And you know what? You speak my language. I appreciate that. Nick. Brunson Cannonero, I'm excited about. Kyler Phillips is going to be on this card. We got Bobby That's Green exciting. against Nasrat Hawkpross. That's an exciting matchup. No, there are lots of good. There are there right? are there are fighters. There's there are fight fans be... fights on this card. I'm excited about. I'm just. Yeah. I'm not excited about about it. I'm not excited about the main and co-main for 75 bucks. Mostly, I just think that I'm not. I can't get excited about the main event. But we'll talk about that first. We've got to talk about that scintillating, captivating, arresting card that the UFC put on just a couple of nights ago. You're talking about Strickland versus Hermanson. It wasn't the best card of all time. It did this <laughs> like there were some gems. To be fair, like there, there were some pretty solid performances. There, there were some, some things. There was to a watch, war. And there that's was a, a fight of the year candidate. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yep. definitely. And 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 there were some pretty good finishes on the card. Main event was not awesome. We got we see a prospect sh- shine through. We saw a prospect get back on the winning track. Right, like we 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 saw some some interesting things here. John Castaneda got got the upset. Let's uh, let's quickly cover. Sean Strickland versus Jack Hermanson. Um, I assume you stayed, you know, relatively awake throughout the fight. Not that it was that that bad, but it wasn't great. What did you think? I thought, um, I thought that after a couple minutes of the fight, we we after you see you see six minutes of it, you've seen twenty five minutes of it. It was one of those fights where maybe because maybe you know maybe you can make a case for Hermanson in the first, but it was. It was actually. I'll go back. I'll even say you've seen two minutes of this fight. You've seen twenty-five minutes of it. It just wasn't that. Um, it wasn't that dynamic or interesting to watch. And Hermanson didn't have much of. Didn't have much of an answer. He doesn't have. He's crafty, um, and he's, he seems a fairly smart fighter, and he's he's somewhat durable, um, and certainly durable enough to eat Strickland shots, but. He uh, he didn't take any wild risks, and neither did Strickland. And it just uh, it seemed like they were out there to not make either one of the to not make one another look that bad, but um, or fighting not to lose more than fighting to win. So it was, um, yeah. I mean, I I thought on the the best we were gonna see was like one of those really good like um, Bisbing middleweight performances where he just you know, eventually TKOs them by virtue of, of like volume and creativity or that Herman or Hermanson somehow was going to get on top and choke out this guy who is, who's, who's a great heel, who's super annoying. And we didn't get either, we didn't get either of those optimal, uh, as far as entertainment goes outcomes. No, we definitely didn't. I mean, it was, it was essentially just a jab fest. Like you're supposed to, Generally, you're supposed to use the jab to set things up, to uh, to create opportunities and, and, and see what openings are available to you, right? And you're supposed to progress past that mode. And 
Strickland never did. Now he criticized himself afterward, and and that's great, I guess. Um, and he's usually, to be fair, he's usually not more entertaining. He usually throws a lot more uh, right hands than he did in this matchup, where he threw like maybe three or four of them, uh, maybe per round, and and landed the majority. Quite honestly, it seems like Hermansa just had no answer for that jab. The jab is really an underutilized uh, weapon in MMA, and. Recently, we've been seeing the shift. I've talked about how the left hook has been a major kind of new element in the MMA game, particularly the, the check hook. When guys are doing it right, when they're pivoting on that front foot, um, keeping that elbow high, right? Like that can be a knockout shot when your opponent's coming in for either a takedown or a, a big, you know, a big punch. And so that's one element. Another element is the jab. The jabbers like Kamara Usman, like Sean Strickland. Um, for some reason, the, the others evade me, but there are some brilliant jabbers all of a sudden in mixed martial arts, and it's making such a big difference, right? It's leading to so much success. There's not a whole lot of really good jabbers that are on losing streaks in, in the UFC right now, right? Like that, it makes a difference. If you can, if you can get your opponent hot Juliana Pena. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And that one fucking fight, somehow, Amanda Nunez was like, all right, I just threw a jab, and she slipped and jabbed me hard. I'm going to do the exact same thing. Ready? Go. And then she kept doing that until she lost the fight. Talked about injuries more recently, by the way. But anyway, um, Sean Strickland never got a mode one. He never got a first gear. He didn't really need to. Hermanson was making it less of a firefight than you would think. Um, I, I think that jab was really making it hard for him to come in. He wasn't able to get takedowns. He doesn't have the grapp grappling credentials to do that. I think Sean Strickland, based on at least his reputation and little we've seen of his ground game, he would have been fine on the ground too. So... Um, realistically, Sean Strickland's just the better man. He's the better fighter. That's why, you know, uh, I, as much as I saw some opportunity there with Jack Hermanson being such a big underdog, I ended up siding with Sean Strickland after all toward the end of the episode. I changed my pick uh, back, even though my official prediction was always for Strickland to win. I just saw value in Hermanson. Um, and then we had uh, Nick Maximov, who basically, you know, like mid-level Khabib'd Punela Soriano. Right, he he basically has like these these the swagger and like the cadence when he speaks of a Diaz brother, Nick. But mm -hmm. he fights like Jake Shields, and yeah, that's a good. It wasn't fun to watch. Accurate. No, he's not very he's not very fun to watch. But but you I made did. a brilliant call, Nick. You called this motherfucker. Props, man. Almost would, nobody I thought he did. Would be durable. I thought that he would be durable enough. Um, and yeah, he he was. Um, right there was well, some, well I can't done. remember everything it out, but um, Serrano got in, I think got injured maybe trying to get up uh, in the first. There was an area where I think either, I think um, when he planted his arm maybe that he, he shouted out, he like yelped. So they were wondering maybe if he had gotten injured. I haven't seen any follow-up on that. Um, Interesting. Real quick um, though, just going back to the main event. What, what is, what's next for Strickland? Um, next for Strickland. I mean, let's you see, won't I'm fight gonna... Vittori because him and Vittori are buddies. Um, I guess. How about Paul Acosta? Since Paul Acosta claims he'll only fight Vittori, we both know it's not going to happen. So, um, how about Paul Acosta I mean, if he's at one eighty five? That's. I think that's interesting. I mean, he could he could just fight the winner of Brunson Cannoneer for a title shot. I mean, why Brunson and Cannoneer? Are, I mean, it's true. Like you could, but Adesanya or if not, then he can. I mean, he can wait for the next one. But I'll tell you, there's a guy that I think is a real tough matchup for him um, who's nipping at the heels here. And if Nasruddin Imavov gets by Kelvin Gastelum, which I, I think he probably will, I think that he really underperformed in his fight against Phil Hawes. But if Imavov gets by that, I think he's a tough matchup for Sean Strickland. 
Yeah, well, let's see how he does against Calvin Gastelum, who at this point is kind of a gatekeeper to the top 10, I think it's safe to say. Um, so anyway, Nick, uh, Maximov, you know, wasn't very fun to watch. Literally, man, like if you if you just like, like if you just closed your eyes, you would have thought that that was a Diaz speaking when he spoke after the fight. It's fascinating. He actually did do some wrestling in college. Uh, I think also Division Three, like Punaheli Soriano. And he was able to just like keep him in position. A lot of the shit that Jake Shields did to do that, right? He would load your hip, put his weight on you, and make it so that at the very least you can't get fully up in order to engage in a clinch. You're basically kind of stuck in this weird bent-over position against the fence um, with one hand down trying to prevent the takedown, trying to get up, having no luck doing it because you're carrying your body weight and your opponent's body weight. So Punahali Soriano, again, man, 8-2 and two at this point, was looking like a serious prospect with wins over Oscar Piacera and Dusko Todorovic. Jamie Pickett on the Contender Series. All these are UFC fighters. Uh, Oscar Piacera, not a great one, but recently seeing some success. Um, so he's looked good, man, leading into this losing streak. And, and we've seen that multiple things can work against him now, right? Like there, there are elements in his game that need a lot of improvement. His composure is one element. I think mentally he wasn't as um, in in the last half of the fight. And to be fair, he's got these 10 fights in. It makes sense that he's not quite that mature in that way yet. But I think like better footwork to keep him his back off of the fence, right? Um, more work disengaging with offense, more work uh, getting those knees up the middle and those uppercuts on an opponent who's going to shoot or going to engage in the clinch. Um, there, are, there are things that he could have done in this matchup if he took Nick Maximoff seriously, um, and, and he, he just wasn't able to put it all, pull it off. Maximoff, man, like, dude's strong. He has decent wrestling. He has good grappling. He's far from being a finisher, but Kumar Usman didn't fight much different from this, right, when he first entered the UFC, so I think right. he's doing just fine. Yeah, I think he's, he's very impressive, and, then- and you can tell he rolls with black belts. Yeah, and the the other fight, I mean, we definitely have to mention is uh, Shavkat Rachmanov with a uh, what was that? A spinning heel kick. Yeah, he kind of got him with his with his kind of shin, sort of his uh, calf muscle. But yeah, basically. Yeah, he's um, he's looking really good. I think he's finished people in all of his fights, and uh, I'm very excited to. I mean, he deserves a co-main event next. I think uh, with the with the action he's been providing. Who'd you put him um, in against? There's, a, I mean, that's a tough, tough division. Um, 185 think, is doable. What's that? 185 he's isn't at, all that. He's at one. He's at 170. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That's a little tough. Um, I think real interesting fights for him are uh, Daniel Rodriguez, who's coming off that. D Rod's coming off that win against Kevin Lee. Um, I think Kalen Williams is interesting. But there's two, if they really want to do a co-main event, uh, the guy that's, another guy that's coming off of a win, get him in there with Michelle Pejea, who just fought. That's, I think that's a real interesting fight. I'm into, uh, I'm into it, Nick. It's just like, uh, you know, I, I don't love having these prospects go up against each other, but if it's a co-main event or a main event, uh, hey, Michelle Pejea is 26, like prospect, he's 26 and 11. I mean, he's, he's on a four or five fight winning streak. His two losses arguably should have been wins um, in the UFC, right? Like, he's a legitimate prospect. I know he's got a, a journeyman's record on the local, uh, like on the, on the on regional four, team. He's 28. He's 28 and yeah. on a four fight winning streak. I also forget that he's 28 because he looks like he's 42. I agree. Um, that's, that's the thing. He really got, does um, look much older. Yeah, he really but, he looks older but, than But me. anyway, 
Do I think it would be a phenomenal fight? Hell, motherfucking yes. Shafkat Rahmanov is, you know, this is exactly the kind of the kind of thing that would tip one of them over into the into the. I mean, they're top, about like, the same age. I would do, I would do it. I don't think a I don't think a loss. Uh, I don't think a Probably loss for them kills either them, one yeah. of them. And I want enter, I want entertaining fights. I'm there. And just for the record, Carlson Harris is very legit. Shafkat Rahmanov basically went uh, with a spinning back kick to the body, right? Landed it hard and clean. And Carlson Harris, again, is a good fucking fighter, man. This is a legit guy that's going to make a mark in the UFC. You just watch. It's yep. just going up against Shafkat is tough. So after having landed that spinning back kick to the body, he ended up uh, throwing the spin again. And Carlson Harris expected to go to, go to the body, lowered his, lowered his guard, and took it right upside the temple. Yeah. Uh, it was shortly if, thereafter that Shafkat had him out of by, there. By the way, by, yes, it was. And by the way, if you're worried about like knocking off another prospect, like you had a guy recently who's really been around the block, who's eight or nine years older, um, and who fell out of a fight, so he's going to be looking for one soon, who's a Muslim Salikov. Uh yeah, why not? That that's a great folly for somebody like Shafkat or Brendan it's Allen. A good, it's as a of good, this it's a it's a good fight against a guy that's on a three, how about a three fight win streak? How about Shafkat versus Brendan Allen, Nick, who picked up a finish over Sam Alvey? Uh, I have no problem with that at all. Brendan Allen, I know, is like still seen as a you're prospect. You're in the wrong weight class again. Bre- Brendan, shit, Brendan Allen's right. middleweight light heavyweight. I'm, so, I'm Come sorry. Come back to Shafkat. 170, baby. Shafkat is easily as big as Brendan Allen in every way, except he cuts to 170 is the difference there, I would say. Yeah. Honestly, he, he's, he's an inch shorter. Uh, but Shafkat's a big dude. Anyway, Brendan Allen, impressive over Sam Alvey. And, and I agree with you, Nick. I, I, think, I think you're looking at the right prospects for him, like that like verge of the top 15 for Shafkat. Uh, Brian Battle at work. Hudson-Ibio is fun, too. But I, want, but I know they want to do guys off the wings. A little early. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. Um, Brian Battle basically outworked Treshawn Gore, who's just not experienced enough to to do well, you know, on this stage. Julian Rosso, Steven Peterson, insane fight. Peterson didn't make f- weight, um, but he like with Julian Erosa, his pressure is great. If he just like had some defense, like that would go such a long way. If he could just get into a mode where he corrects his mistakes. He could be an effective fighter, but the Steven Peterson made it close. It was extremely uh, competitive, super exciting. And Peterson missed weight. So he didn't make any of the many, any money of the bonus. Julian Rosa picked up a hundred grand and I think he earned it. John Gustaneda uh, upset over Miles Johns, uh, Hakeem Duwadu uh, over Mike Trezano. Uh, just a workman decision about what we expected. Chidi and Jaguani quick knockout. And I think that's about, Oh, Jailton Almeida. That one. That was crazy. That, that's true. I mean, it, it was possible that he could get him on the counter, but just like that, I don't know where the one-two as Mark Andre uh, went for the leg kick. Jelton Almeida Nick is legit. I'm very excited about him. I I very much look forward to seeing this guy compete. He's a next level we grappler, need, man. We need heroes at 205, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, we do. Uh, we could definitely use that. Nick, let's take a break. We're gonna come back and break down UFC 271: Israel Adesanya versus. Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker, too. Looking forward to this one, Nick. Even though you might not be as much as you should. Back on the podcast, and we are going to break down UFC 271, Adesanya versus Whitaker 2. Now, Nick, um, we take turns 
picking fighters that are going to compete on Saturday's card. At the end of Saturday night, we tally up the points and see where we are. The goal is to win at the end of an entire season. That is the calendar year we just restarted. We hold 10 points apiece, Nick. We each picked up four points from the last event from last weekend. Um, it is my first pick this week, and I'm going to dive into the main event. Israel out of motherfucking Sonia versus Robert Whitaker. Um, so... Everybody knows Adesanya's kickboxing, right? He, he's 65-5 and five record in kickboxing. So on top of his 20-something uh, MMA fights, he's got 70 fights in the kickboxing realm, which is major. Um, doesn't like to initiate a whole lot, throws jabs and leg kicks generally. He wants to counter, which is why he was able to hurt Robert Whitaker as badly as he did in that first fight because Whitaker kept giving him something to counter. Um, Whitaker went from welterweight to middleweight after taking a loss against Stephen Thompson, right? Undefeated at middleweight, I think in seven years, um, he's had one loss all the way through winning and and and, and getting the title and, and defending that belt. Ended up losing it to Adesanya because I think he saw what uh, Kelvin Gastelum did, which was basically uh, just blitz forward with big, fast offensive shots. And it worked against Adesanya. He was able to buzz him a few times, and it was a very competitive back-and-forth fight between Adesanya and Gastelum. I think Adesanya actually grew quite a bit from that fight and became truly an elite fighter after that. Um, but I think Whitaker took cues from that, and he decided, I'm going to be aggressive, I'm going to get in his face, and I'm going to put some offense on him. The problem is that Whitaker's good at blitzing, but you can't stay in the pocket without Asani for four, three, four punches. He's going to tag you with something, because something is coming back, and Robert Whitaker being the shorter man, his head is going to be right in the middle, and he caught it, man. He caught a big right uppercut counter uh, at the end of the first round in their first fight, and then he caught a huge left hook counter. Like, it was literally they were exchanging, they were both missing, and suddenly that left hook lands because Adesanya, who was not even looking at Whitaker's offense as it was happening, he was in this weird, uncomfortable position, the same position that Anderson Silva was in when he got knocked out by Chris Weidman, right, where your feet are even and you're leaning back, but he landed that left hook, knocked out Robert Whitaker, um, and so what, we, what we're seeing is that Robert Whitaker has a bit of a weakness against these high-level kickboxers who are a little bit taller than him, like Adesanya, like Stephen Thompson. Um, Whitaker was aggressive last time, throwing 116 strikes in about eight minutes. Adesanya does really well when you give him a lot of opportunities to counter. If you're going to keep throwing offense at him, he's going to tag you, which is why uh, one of Whitaker's offensive blitzes led to that knockout for Izzy. Whitaker had a hard time landing was the when he was the aggressor, though, right? He only landed 32 out of those 116 strikes, most of the effective offense that Whitaker landed was on the counter since like Whitaker being aggressive made Adesanya want to match that pace and he just started like walloping him back at some point. Um, neither guy was super successful when they were offensive, although Adesanya landed a couple of body shots. Um, both guys did well when they were countering in this matchup, right? So Izzy also landed his best strikes on the counter. That means that whichever guy is going to be leading is probably going to be at a disadvantage unless they're only leading with stuff like leg kicks and jabs. If it wasn't for the knockdowns, the argument could be made that Whitaker was the winning was winning those first two rounds on activity alone. He was just throwing a lot more out there. He was landing occasional shots, but he was super busy in an otherwise not, you know, fight where not much was happening. For that reason, I think both guys will be relatively careful since the more aggressive fighter is likely to be countered effectively. That's where, like, Adesanya's used to fighting that style. Whitaker's not. Whitaker's good on the offensive. He's good on the defensive, right? But he's not used to just sitting back and fighting off the back foot. Um, by staying out the, on the outside with Izzy is risky because Adesanya has a, a four 
inch height advantage and a six and a half inch reach advantage. He's also brilliant at keeping the distance that he prefers, uh, basically at the end of his jab and leg kick. What Whitaker should do is I think he's got to stay patient as he kind of inches forward with mostly fakes, kind of like uh, how uh, uh, Blachowicz did, right? Actual offense will get him countered and fakes will keep Izzy uncomfortable, which will also hide some of the offenses, uh, offensive moments that Whitaker has. Whitaker should be attacking with just one or two shots at a time. He should not be hanging in that pocket for more than two shots, in my opinion. Um, I think he did a pretty good job of countering Izzy's jab in the first fight, and that's a great weapon if he can muster it, right? Um, he also has good leg kicks, but like I'd like for him to use it in this matchup against Izzy, who is going to lean back and... Like his body's going to be hard to get to, his head's going to be hard to get to without getting countered. But you can drop a mean leg kick right at the end of a a kind of blitz of one or two shots, which will keep you out of danger and be able to actually score on Izzy. Um, Izzy should be like try to keep Whitaker at the end of his jab and kick. Once that frustrates Whitaker into blitzing forward, Izzy can land hard counters. Um, it'll be interesting to see Izzy pressure with fakes, uh, trying to draw out Whitaker's counters. Izzy needs to be ready for Whitaker's body lock takedowns. Um, I think that. There's a big shift since the first fight. Whitaker attempted um, only one takedown in the four fights prior to this winning streak. He's attempted 23 takedowns in the three fights since losing to Izzy, right? So he's clearly, ever since that fight, changed his entire mindset and is incorporating takedowns big time into his game. He's a good offensive wrestler. I think he can take Izzy down. The question is, can he control him? And I think that's the majority of what will decide this fight is whether or not Whitaker can control Izzy I'm not sure that he can. I think Izzy pops back up even if he does get taken down. Um, I'm going to take Izzy by decision here. And I actually think there's an opportunity here. I think there's a chance that Whitaker can win a decision. I think there's uh, probably a a, a 45% chance, 40% chance that that happens. Um, Plus 460 Whitaker by decision. That's a great that, that's a great number. Put fifty bucks down on it. You'll win two thirty. Worst case, you've lost fifty. It's not the worst thing in the world. Adesanya by decision, plus two hundred. Now a little more risk in this one because there's a chance Adesanya can counter Whitaker, who's been hurt a few times in the last few fights. Chance he could counter him and, and knock him out. So maybe put Adesanya in a parlay uh, and and uh, place a bet on Whitaker by decision so that you kind of have a win win situation there because you'll get pretty good odds with Adesanya in a, in a two fight parlay along with Whitaker uh, as a separate hedge bet. But yeah, I, I like Adesanya. I think the style matchup favors him, Nick. I think Whitaker has a hard time against technical kickboxers who counter well. And I don't know that Whitaker can keep himself from being offensive enough or uh, control Israel Adesanya long enough on the ground. I think he, he'll get countered enough and it'll be uh, maybe a slower fight, more competitive, but Adesanya will edge it. Yeah, I think... I think maybe in the third round, Adesanya is going to knock him out again. Um, really? I just, I think Adesanya is so precise. Like, Bobby Knuckles is very durable, um, but he's durable in those those kind of brawls where you're catching, you're catching a lot of glancing shots and you see a lot of stuff coming. Um, you know, he was hit hard by Romero for sure, and, and Bobby Knuckles has been hit plenty hard by people, but... Izzy does that Connor against Aldo thing, you know, where um, timing and precision. And I just think wherever the fight is, if it's in a, if it's while he, you know, off of a scramble or off of him, uh, off of a separation rather, um, if Izzy's gotten back up, although I'm not as confident as you that, that Whitaker's going to be able to take him down. Um, 
or if it's I a think counter, Marvin Vittori got just, several takedowns against him. He just couldn't hold him down. If I'm not mistaken, I think Vittori. I think Vittori is bigger and stronger than than uh, than Whitaker is. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if he's I do. I think Vittori. I think Vittori is, is like could be a light heavyweight, and and Whitaker is a guy that fought at welterweight. Um, okay. I think Vittori. I think Whitaker is pretty decent Vittori's size for massive. middleweight right now, though. I, I again, I think I think you're underestimating uh, Whitaker's size. I'm curious to see Whitaker face He's off. He's pretty with big. I think Vittori's really, really thick. Uh, so is I Whitaker, just, man. But uh, sorry, go on. I don't. I, I don't think he's as. I don't think he's as big as. I mean, I think Vittori for his last fight was a little more slimmed down for the Costa fight. But when he went into the Adesanya fight for the his sec, for the title fight, he was gigantic. Um, yeah, I just I think. Everything in my MMA watching experience tells me that Adesanya's uh, precision, combination of precision and, uh, and power, uh, and how unexpected um, his strikes seem to be to people. He gets so many knockdowns. Um, I just, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna find it again. Um, that's you know I I think you're I think what you're suggesting about it going the distance uh, if they're very if they're both very cautious and there's a lot of feeling out and neither man is it wants to lead um, then we can end up with a boring kind of five rounder that I that could maybe be a split decision but I think Adesanya probably ends up um, having the more significant shots. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm edging. Where again competitive but edging toward Adesanya. I don't think Whitaker will make the same mistakes. Um, but again, he's an aggressive fighter by nature. Will he be able to really hold himself back from being aggressive if Israel is just standing on that back foot waiting? That's the question. I'm intrigued by it, man. I'm excited about it. I think these are by far the best two middleweights on the planet. I don't think there's a close third. And so I do think like if they fight 10 times, I think, I think that Whitaker can win four of those times. Three or four of those times, honestly. And so there's a fair chance that this becomes a trilogy. I hope it does. I like Whitaker a lot. I, I would love to see him. That would be fun. Um, I'd be excited. Yeah. I just don't have a lot of faith. That would be fantastic because otherwise Izzy doesn't have much to do here and we already saw what happens at light heavyweight. So, uh, well, it would be it, great. It, I mean, the thing to do would be Us- him and Usman is fantastic. It would be amazing. It's I'd not going to so happen. Ali Abdelaziz. Jeez. No, it, it's not going to happen, man. It's, it's, I mean, just based on the way they've both spoken about it. Uh, there's not a good shot at all that's going to happen unless this talk of them not wanting to do the fight raises enough buzz and Dana White goes, you know what, I'm going to offer each of these guys 10 mil, uh, maybe 15 mil a piece, um, and, and, and maybe they would do it and have like a talk and just agree and, and maybe get it done, but it would take some serious money, I think, for them to agree to this. <coughs> Excuse me, Nick. Um, um, well, time, time to what talk is to your co-main event. Pick? Yes. And I'll be, uh, I'll be much shorter than you are. Listen, like... This is going to be you, fun. You are significantly shorter than I am, Nick. I'm 5'9". I'm, I'm slightly above average height in America. I think. Six foe, motherfucker. What is that? Seven yeah, inches? Yeah. Congratulations. You, yeah, you won all the lotteries. I get it. I just won this one lottery. I'm just tall mm-hmm. and I could reach things at high places. But that's really the only superpower. Like low basements, they give me trouble. I'm just saying, I don't think you have that problem. No, and I would know because I'm in, I'm in basements all the time. <laughs> um, the... Um, <laughs> the, so listen, the Taito Avasa story is a happy story. Like after he got choked out by Sergei Spivak, you know, he's gone on a little run here. His victims have included Stefan Struve, Harry Hunsucker, who had, probably should not have been there. Greg Hardy, who maybe should not be there. August Sakai, who didn't look like he wanted to be there. And he's, <laughs> um, 
you know, it's heavyweight, so it is what it is as far as opposition goes. And then you've got Derek Lewis, who has really been the top five gatekeeper um, for the last five years. He is a scary, tough guy to beat. If this was a five-round fight, I would so oh, I'd be I'd have zero doubt, zero doubt at all, uh, that Derek Lewis would win um, because he's patient, because he's dangerous late, because uh, because he's uh, he's durable. And the kinds of guys that beat him usually beat Derek Lewis either through amazing wrestling, which Taito Vasa does not have, through um, or uh, really powerful strikers who also throw volume like Cyril Gaon or, or JDS. Um, I don't, there haven't been too many guys who fight like Tuivasa who have given him trouble. And I think the reason is, I think Derek Lewis hits, probably hits harder, a little bit harder. And, um, I just, I think we've we've I mean we've seen both of these guys kind of quit in in fights, but I just I just think that Tuivasa's only knows how to fight uh, pretty aggressively. I think he'll land leg kicks that Derek Lewis won't check, and that those will piss those will annoy Derek Lewis, and he'll look perturbed, and he may lose a round and look kind of out of sorts. But the dude almost always finds the shot like if again especially against guys that are striking with him if you fight like Eler Latifi like maybe you know maybe you can uh you can get to a decision but um I just don't think I don't think Tuivasa is uh got quite got quite enough to beat the beat this this savvy veteran that's got like one hit quit power he has looked tighter in his last few performances and more disciplined but i just i really think Derek lewis is uh on a on a different uh, just i just think we're ta we're talking about like a top 10 gatekeeper and a top five gatekeeper and i just i don't see tuivasa having a ceiling that that is to the level of Derek Lewis. So I think Lewis. I think Lewis probably uh, in the second round is going to uh, is going to land one of those big big counters and then do a couple of of those you know massive sledgehammer fists uh, down to get the stoppage. Yeah, I um, love it if, if I was... wins. It'd be good to have a new star and a changing of the guard, but I don't think it's going to happen in Houston too. Where the only fight he's he's five and one in Houston, and the only fight he uh, he lost in Houston was to Gone, and like Gone is exactly the kind of fighter that Derek Lewis has trouble with. And Lewis also had a lot of issues in that fight, and that was about a year ago, um, less than a year ago maybe. He had a lot of issues in that fight because he had uh, a lot of pressure on him fighting in his hometown. Now that was a fight for the title, that was a interim title, that he's was a main in event of a quite a bit. Yeah. He, he has, but he's coming off of an episode where he will admit that it got to him. The pressure got to him. And coming off but of that, had, I can see that being a thing in his mind. Right, but then he, he went back, and it was in the apex, but he went back and absolutely massacred Chris Dawkins a couple months ago. He did, but what does that prove? The fact that he ran toward Dawkins at some point 
a couple of minutes into the fight, clocked them six times and dropped them. What does that prove about uh, Derek Lewis that we didn't know before? Now, granted, just, saying, that same my, technique is, might work out to mindset. It, I don't think his mindset's a problem coming out of the gone fight. Well, specifically fighting in the same setting with the same pressures. Last time you disappointed, it was it's the biggest the stage pressures. of your career. It's not a main well, event. Well, again, a it's the fight. same people. It's the same folks. He's in the co-main event. No, listen, I, I realize it's not the same level, but it is at home. I wonder if it'll mess with him. I'm not saying it will. It might not. Um, I could see it being the case. Um, I would say their level of power in their hands is pretty similar. Their chins are similar. Probably Lewis has a bit of an edge. Tuibasa, what worries me, he's got rocked by uh, Greg Hardy. He got knocked out by Juni Del Santos, which, to be fair, also knocked out Derek Lewis. But yeah, you know, it's concerning it more, that, that right. It was more like no, no, no. Then it was he. It was more a quit than a K than a KO. No, I feel, I do feel like he was he was dropped. He was tired, but he was dropped. Like I, I rewatched it recently. If you if you watch it with uh with both cases, honestly, Junior Dos Santos is a fucking good fighter. He just like started giving yeah. up recently, and it's unfortunate. But anyway, um, to also have more like varied weapons, right? Probably better in the clinch. His. Um, he just like explodes with big shots on every exit from every clinch position. Sometimes he'll just go from clinch to big shots, right? Like he's he hurts people that way, and I could see that being successful against Derek Lewis, who you know he in, can get in a inside fight or two. that close without getting his head knocked off. I'm sorry, I'll let you talk. No, no, that's totally fair. And by the way, please feel free to interrupt. I wanna I wanna have this conversation. Um, I, I think like Lewis will be more dangerous from top position, right? So he's like I would say a slight edge yes. maybe in ground game. Just based on what we've seen, I'm sure Tavasa's been working on shit, right? Tavasa, by the way, his big issue previously was that he would get tired. His conditioning wasn't there, and he was a little too reckless. Um, he's fixed the conditioning part. He used to not do any strength and conditioning at all. Made that a huge part of his game now. He's actually trying to level up his skills, trying to round out his game. Now, he's seeing the potential to be a high-level fighter, I think, going to AKA made a big difference for him. And he uh, had this I'm count... Big, yeah. this, I'm a big uh, fan. He, it's just, go ahead. No, no, and 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 pl- please feel free. Uh, and, and so, like, he's made a lot of the corrections. He's a 28 year old guy, though, right? Like, heavyweights don't come into their own at 28. It's like 31, 32, 33. They're starting to enter yes. the prime at heavyweight and MMA only been for some three and a half years reason. in the UFC. That's right. That's right. And but again, on a four fight winning streak now, four knockouts, um, progressively decent, decently impressive knockouts, right? Like he's winning most of those fights. Um, he's putting it on him and at some point finishing him, whether it be a few minutes in or, you know, a round and a half in. So he's doing his thing. I, I look, I think Toivasa, his leg kicks are fucking deadly. Derek Lewis has no idea how to check a leg kick. He's never heard of a check. No. It is, it is about as foreign to him as, I don't know. What else is he really bad at as, as, uh, I don't know. What the fuck? Impos- Texas. Uh, uh, I know nothing. Like Im- Nick. Impossible burgers. Those are foreign. Man. That is fucking right, Nick. That is perfect because he's pretty well-rounded. Motherfucker has a family, has a home, has decent home life. Doesn't like ch- uh, doesn't like uh, domestic abusers, right? Like like he great social media skills, heavy hands. Got a lot going for him, Derek Lewis. Um, I think for these odds, if I was you, I'd be picking Taito Ivasa. I think it's worth two points. I think he's he's every bit as fast as Derek Lewis. I think he's busier than Derek Lewis, right? If this becomes you know a semi-busy decision. He can do just fine by by just outpointing Derek Lewis, but I understand that his cardio is not uh, proven yet. I just feel like at these odds, given our point system, where you get two points for an underdog of plus one fifty or above, um, there's, other, I think, there's other underdogs I've got much more confidence in. I believe it, Nikolai. Uh, my pick is coming up next, Nick. 
And let me see, let me, let me look at my trusty list here. I think I've got to take, I think I've got to take Kyler Phillips to beat Marcelo Rojo. Rojo huh. is not surprised by it. Shocked. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not in a, I'm not in a hurry to take that underdog pick. I, there's time. Um, Phillips no, that's not, is, I, I, no, I thought there was an obvious, okay. I think you're overlooking something. More obvious. Um, it's too late now. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think Kyler, Kyler Phillips will be way better than Marcel Rojo. Everywhere the cardio questions that we may have had based on his last performance, Marcel Rojo is not a great cardio guy either. Uh, technique wise, not on the level. But we've seen some of these guys, some of these serious prospects, take a loss, controversial or not, take a loss, and then go on to on a losing streak to lower level competition. So you know, I don't want to overrate him coming off of a loss here. Um, I think minus 400 is way too high now that I'm looking at the odds. It's insane, but I think Rojo is mediocre, and Kyler Phillips has some real talent. Yeah, Rojo was just, I mean, the reason Rojo got this fight, I think, is because he was such a gamer and so tough against Charles Air Jordan, um, yeah. who, who, you know, I think we've all decided is probably the second coming of Thomas Almeida himself. Uh, <laughs> Charles Jordan, interesting. So. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I think he's not uh, as fragile. I would say. I think he's pretty. I think he's pretty fragile. But uh, you do. All right, fair enough. That's my just my my perspective. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm a big fan of of uh, Kyler Phillips. As Jack Slack says, nobody tell Kyler Phillips about the jab. <laughs> 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 um, so for my first pick, I'm, I'm kind of I'm upset. I didn't think I was gonna have the chance, so I'm sort of sad to do it. But I'm gonna have to pick against my girl Roxy Mataferi, who of course really? MMA Geeks once sponsored and were the, Roxy's biggest fans. But she's about 40 years old. Is she 40 now? On her way to uh, pretty close. She's enough. 39. Um, she'll be 40 in September. She's um, gonna get married soon. Her her life is just is really full of great stuff. And this is her final retirement fight. And you know, I was kind of hoping they would have given her one of the other contestants from the seasons of tough that she was on somebody. So she'd ha she could maybe go out of the win. Instead, they're giving her this monster prospect. Um, the Scottish Casey O'Neill fights out of Australia. She can strike, she can grapple. She pretty much does everything better than Roxy. She really took it to Antonina Shevchenko. And I just, I just think this is one of those fights where she's going to be outgunned by a younger, more athletic, fighter and not one who is as brash and wild as Macy Barber. So I think it's going to be, I don't know if she'll get finished. Probably not, but um, I think it's going to be a long night at the office uh, and a sad farewell for Roxy, but I'm sure she'll quit herself. I'm sure she'll quit herself well, and she'll probably make, she'll probably go to the bell um, and it will be the end of her 45 fight career. Um, 50 fights. I think believe if you count the tough fights. So Nick, uh, you think she just get gets out grappled here or what? Yes, I think, I think she, I think she will get out get out grappled here. I mean, maybe if she can. I just don't. I think that the strength is such a disadvantage, and and I do think that O'Neill is a, is a pretty strong grappler. It's uh, Roxy's technique is impeccable, but she's just not very fast or strong. Um, I'll be honest with you. At these odds. I would have taken a rider on Roxy. At plus 290, you get two points in our point system, right? For a plus 150 underdog, it's... Uh, I'm sorry, you get... Don't use psychological warfare on me. No, I'm, I'm dead serious, though. Rock, first of all, she's your girl. Like, you've spoken to her. You've sponsored her, Nick. 
And here you go, picking her against her again. I've had to pick against her before. I've picked. Oh shit! No, he, he, here's he, here's what makes me think Roxy, Roxy has a decent shot. Casey O'Neill so far, the girls that she's beaten, um, one of them is really impressive, which is Lauren Procopia, who is yes. not on Roxy Montefiore's level in my opinion. Although a good fighter, black belt, she just seemed out of shape in that fight. Maybe it was the pressure of Casey O'Neill that was wearing on her. Casey's a bigger girl, but. The once or twice that Procopia went forward with a big right hand, she landed it clean and pushed Casey O'Neill back. Roxanne Modifari has a solid fucking right hand. She will push chicks back with that thing. Even though it doesn't have the most impact, it has some like pushing power of nothing else, right? She can get takedowns against these not-so-great wrestlers. Procopia got a takedown on Casey O'Neill. Tell me, Roxanne Modifari can't? I just feel like Roxanne Modifari... She's trouble getting people down. I mean, some tricks maybe, Lately, it's but... true. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be against the fence. Casey O'Neill's got... Eight pro fights, man. Like, like she's so. I mean, we're talking about she has five or six times the experience that Casey O'Neill has, right? And it's not like Casey O'Neill's twenty-five uh, fights into her career. She's fucking a handful of fights in. So I think at these odds, it's it's lunacy for it to be this wide apart. Um, I I would take a ride on Roxanne Matafari. I think Roxy by a plus. Um, it's plus two ninety if you bet her regularly, but if you bet her by decision, Nick. You're going to get way fucking better out. So I would definitely sprinkle, if only, I mean, worst case, if you're scrounging for cash, $25 on, on Roxanne Matafari by decision. You know what else you get? I Nick? may very well put actual, my actual money on her, but for the points in the game, I'm, I'm going with O'Neal. Fair, fair enough. I would have considered going for two point, uh, going for three points in total on Roxy. That's a huge game changer. Uh, but, but in any case, Nick, I do respect the pick. Casey O'Neill is probably the biggest uh, favorite on the card. Nick, my next pick is going to be... Uh, these, these odds are just crazy. I'm looking at some of the odds here. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, I'm going to take, take Alex Perez. And, and I, don't wanna, I don't want to like back up these odds. I think they're too wide apart. Perez got... Submitted in a few in a couple of minutes by Davis and Figueroa. Granted, in his last fight, Matt Schnell is a really good grappler, even off his back, even if he gets taken down. Um, Matt Schnell's fast. He's he's sharp. He's technical. Doesn't have a great chin and not a great wrestler. I could see Alex Perez taking advantage of those things, but I think these odds are crazy wide apart. I think Alex Perez uh, takes him down at will and should be able to pound on him. He's just got to stay extremely careful. Possibly can land a big shot or two uh, if he's pressuring on the feet too. Yeah, I, I agree. So I'm going to take an underdog pick for two points. I'm going to pick Blonde Brunson, who I can't believe is a plus 150 underdog against Jared Cannonier. Looking at the way that Brunson's been fighting and, you know, knowing that, like, Cannonier's coming off, is coming off of a loss where he looked, he looked pretty good. Um, you know, he mostly, I mean, the most commendable thing was he kept fighting after he got his arm broken, right? Um, and listen, he's a tough dude who's had a good career. He came down from... Uh, from the higher weight classes he's had some impressive victories um but he's also you know he's lost a bunch he lost to reyes he lost to blahovich um lost lost to Teixeira. like his i i haven't felt the same kind of momentum he's definitely gotten better um but i'd say that brunson is fighting like a man possessed and like a man on a mission who knows this is it and he's been really smart in there. He's older. He's 38 now. He says even if he wins this fight and gets the title shot, he's probably going to retire in two more fights. Um, but he really has put it all together. And I think he's probably the more explosive, more technical um, wrestler of the two. And I also think 
he's like gotten knocked silly fewer times. I think that I think that Cannoneer's a bit easier uh, a bit easier of a target. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Brunson here to use his wrestling to set up his striking and probably hurt Cannoneer. Um, and I think I think win a I wish this was five rounds. Um, and win a uh, a thirty twenty seven or twenty nine twenty eight decision and get me get me a couple of points. I'm there with you on the pick. I would have made it sooner or later if you hadn't. So good call. Between 2015 and 2019, Brunson landed only two takedowns, and he had a six and four record in that time. Over the last three years, Brunson is five and zero, and he landed 19 takedowns over those five wins. So he's made a big shift, kind of like Whitaker, by the way. Pre Adesanya, uh, barely went for takedowns. Post Adesanya has gone for dozens. Same thing with Brunson. So Brunson's really, really started to shift his mental game. He started training at Sanford MMA. These are big difference makers, right? And Cannoneer started his UFC career going three and fours in his first seven fights, progressively moving from heavyweight down to middleweight. Since making 185 for the first time, he put together a record of four and one. So again, in a successful middleweight. Both these guys very successful as of late. Cannoneer's leg kicks, I think, should give Brunson trouble. But Brunson can use a Cannoneer leg kick to get potentially a counter takedown. Plus, if Brunson pressures like he has been lately, it'll make it harder for Cannoneer to kind of plant his feet before throwing those kicks. So that's the kind of thing that either could really make a big difference in Cannoneer's favor or give Brunson opportunities. Uh, kind of a catch-22. Cannoneer's coming off a win over Gastelum, who's also a southpaw. I don't think that's a catch-22, actually. Uh, Cannoneer's coming off a win over Gastelum. Um, also a southpaw wrestler, right? He showed that he can react well to the fast left cross before countering with his right hand. So that's a good sign for him against Brunson. Brunson is bigger than Gashlin, but he's not as fast, and his right hand is not as technical. In fact, I would say Brunson has just become less good at striking. Not that he was ever great at it, but it's almost like his only focus is to set up his takedowns. Canada's takedown defense is 62%, right? Not awesome, not terrible. Um, so presumably, he's going to get taken down in this matchup unless he gets a quick knockout for some reason, right? But he does a brilliant job, Cannonier does, of getting up, which I think will make all the difference. Can Brunson control him? He's going to take that half guard. He's going to drop that heavy ground and pound the moment he gets top position. But Cannonier's really good at getting up. Cannonier's also very explosive. He doesn't have the wrestling history, but his takedown, uh, his get-up game, again, is really good. So tricky matchup, man. I, I agree with you. I think it's a coin flip that that is absolutely worth a rider at plus 150. I would definitely place a bet on Brunson by decision. Um, you'll get you'll get way better odds for that than just Brunson uh, straight. He's not likely uh, plus three twenty. In fact, he's not likely to finish. Uh, Jared Cannonier is hard to finish, but the decision is very very possible. Nick, I agree with you on the pick. Next, I'm going to take I'm going to take Ronnie Lawrence to beat Liam Leomana Martinez. I probably got that name pretty wrong uh martinez has serious power but i think lawrence pressures and wrestles him to a clear clear cut decision win here cool um i'm going to go with i think alex hernandez is going to be able to find that chin on hanada moikanu i think moikanu's chin is compromised at this point i think that hernandez is really aggressive i think he knows he may be headhunting a bit, but I think he's gonna find. I think he's gonna find that head. I think that in his last fight, um, which was against, 
check my shit here. Uh, against Mike, yeah, against Mike Breeden. He came in, looked, you know, looked really good. I mean, looked against Grismacher too, less good against Thiago Moises, but I don't think Moicano has that has that style. I think I think Fernandez is a tough matchup for him. Um, and I think that Moicano has not fixed his issue of keeping his chin in the air and has a lot of trouble with blit with with athletic powerful blitzers. And that's exactly what Alexander Hernandez is. All true. Um I like I tend to think Moicano just needs to survive like four minutes and then he's just better everywhere. Hernandez is super dangerous early, and Marcano's chin has been compromised several times, so I definitely hear where you're coming from. Uh, I can see why you would want to take the rider. Let me see. You're saying only one per, uh, one place has it. Uh, yeah, has only as one, underdog? Only, yeah, I thought if it was if it was two at 150, it'd be a no. I'll I tell you what, I Nick. Question this. Uh, I'll tell you what, Nick. How about how about it, up until the fight? If there's a point in which there are at least four sports books that have it a plus 150 or above, we'll make it a two pointer. Oh, wow. Thank you for your charity there, even when we're tied. Um, cool. Thank you. Nikolai, confidence is what makes me do this. And you know what? I Again, I want to fight I want to fight from behind as a scrappy underdog, Nick. And, and uh, uh, Anyway. I don't need any – you don't need to give me a handicap here. Like, I'm – I – if we it's go competitive back to like so November, far. Don't get defensive. I've, You're fine. I've, I've been be- I've been like neck and neck with you and or beating you since like October or November. So like let's not get too cocky. Yes, you've had a lot of success over the last three years, but until the very last week of this season, I wasn't really blown out at all. And I am. But you were I blown am, out at the end. I was yeah. Points, so I went, had like a one and eight <laughs> card, but we don't need to talk about <laughs> yeah. that. Right yeah. now. And we're in a February 9th, and I have you have not won an event yet. No, we, we've had a, a few ties, and, and I think you won one event by a point. Nikolai, you are right about that. I haven't held the lead yet this season, which is pretty, pretty exciting for you, I'm sure. Nick, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Bobby Green and Nazarat Hakparast. I happen to think Bobby Green... Like there's levels to this mixed martial arts shit, and I think Bobby Green is just a just a level above Nazarat Hakparas, not unlike Dan Hooker. Um, but Nazarat is fast, he's explosive, he can be busy, and he can pressure. And and Bobby Green, he's not reacted all that well earlier in his career to good pressure fighters who are willing to uh, actually get enough output out there, enough numbers out there, so that Bobby Green's kind of just almost purely slipping game shows only defense, and he doesn't get into his offensive mode. So there's a chance that he could shit the bed. He only took this on, on a month notice, by the way, so he didn't have as much notice as Nasrat. But I think there's levels of the shit. And minus 140, place a bet on Bobby Green. I think you know the likelihood is in his yep. favor way more than I, minus 140. I, I've, I heavily favor Green in this. That was a good pick. Um, Same page, motherfucker. What you I'm got gonna next? go with <laughs> this is this fight's gonna be a fucking nightmare, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I think that I'm gonna go with Carlos Olberg over Fabio Charant. This is um, a battle between two two light heavyweights whose last three fights combined have not not represented the good look. Um, Alberg looked like a million bucks for the first, you know, round of his fight against Kennedy uh, as a, as a motherfucker. Kennedy Enzuchukwu. <laughs> Enzuchukwu, yes? Enzuchukwu, yeah, I believe so. Enzuchukwu. 
who just who didn't go away. And when he couldn't put him away, he hit him with everything. Uh, he gassed and got pounded. Um, Fabio Charant's been uh, been finished by two media, you know, two like William Knight, uh, who's also in this card. And I'm a big fan, as everybody who listens to our shows knows. I always pick William Knight. You um, love Knight. We'll see if I do, if I do later. Our heart, out of Hartford, baby. Um, At these yeah, odds, you have to. Nick. Against Manyfield, knocked straight unconscious by uh, by William Knight. I gotta believe that what we saw Olbert do to Kennedy in that first round um, is not something that Fabio Charant's going to be able to withstand. Um, so I think that the, the, the he takes out the Lausanne martial arts mixed martial arts fighter um, early. So I, I got Olbert. I I tend to agree that uh, Olbert's probably going to win, but his cardio didn't look great in a situation in which he was pressured pretty heavily by Ndjuku in that last fight, um, and. Fabio Charant hits really hard. There's a chance. I'm not saying it's likely, but there's a chance that Oberg's chin is ruined from that knockout loss. Probably not. But you've seen like I, the way he, I he think was. He, I think he punched him. I think that 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 outcome of that fight had as much to do with him punching himself out. He was still knocked did. out clean. Whether he punched himself out or not, it, it wasn't. It was the pressure neck. He had no choice but to punch himself out. Otherwise, he was just going to keep taking offense. When a guy's just throwing nonstop, you're not just going to stand there, right? You got to do something. So he was countering. That's what got him tired. Um, and then he got knocked out. It was the game plan that Zhugu had. It's how he fights, and it's very effective. Um, and usually that pressure game doesn't take hold until later in a fight. So anyway, uh, I, I disagree with uh, the pick, but I see why you're uh, I see why you're leaning. Oh, I'm sorry. I agree with the pick. But I see a little bit of risk in that Oberg's chin might be run. Also, maybe Sharon is smart enough to go for takedowns, which if he if he goes for, he probably would have success with. Next, I'm going to take. Um, this is where things get a little bit tougher. I'm going to go ahead and take Jeremiah Wells to beat Mike Matheta. Matheta has a badass uh, nickname, uh, the Blood Diamond. He fights out of City Kickboxing, so pretty pretty high level uh, kickboxing spring. Something like 60 fights, at 70 fights maybe. Um, but only three MMA fights, right? So there's a big disparity there. Um, well, shit pressure was way, I think, into takedowns and dominate from top position. If Mike can stay on his feet, he can certainly win on points. If not, with like a head kick or something, he's got this like uh, uh, left head left kick thing where he goes to the leg, to the body, to the head. You don't know where it's going, so you're like, it'll get caught in. You, get, you take a clean one to the body, it's the liver, you drop. You take a clean one to the head, you're knocked out. So he's got a tricky uh, stand-up game. It's very unorthodox. Both these guys are. Um, I would say that Jeremiah Wells is the better athlete. He's older. He's 35 years old to Mike, who might be who might be like just barely hitting 30. Um, and, and so the MMA experience is really going to go in Jeremiah Wells' favor. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm taking Wells in this one. Um, same. So that goes to Stan, and I will now. Uh, hmm. No, I'm not going to do it yet. I'm going to go uh, with the old pro, uh, Andre Arlovsky, to win a very not exciting um, fight against Jared. It's Jared, right? Jared Vendera? Yes. Um, yeah. I think Arlovsky's going to Arlovsky. He's going to have good footwork. He's going to land his shots. He probably won't hurt him enough uh, to put him away. But he'll... Um, I think that uh, Arlovsky should... I believe he still has enough. We've received no evidence that he doesn't have enough in the tank to deal with uh, a heavyweight of this caliber. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. That's This is exactly the kind of opponent that he usually wins a very 
competitive, boring decision against. Jared Vandera did show that he can go really high output and with a guy that's willing to stand with him, that he can go just like high output. He has great conditioning in that one fight that he won in the UFC. I forget the name, Carlos something. Um, uh, and Justin Taffa. Outside of that. Was it, you're right, Justin Toffa is who he beat. And Justin Toffa has shown that like he's not as disciplined as he used to be. He's not as uh he's not as like he's not making weight at heavyweight nowadays. His is he's not having the success he used to have in the same way. He's not he's not focused. Uh he's not putting the work in. So maybe that's why Vendera beat him. So I tend to agree with you about um uh, about Arlovsky. I think Arlovsky by decision uh bet is is not a bad idea at all. Minus one forty five if you bet him straight, so not the worst thing, uh not the worst route to go that way as well, but I'd probably lean on him by decision since he doesn't tend to finish anyone anymore. My next pick. I'm going to take, and I know what you're going to do if I don't take this fight. Uh, I'm going to take Maxim, Maxim Grisham to beat William Knight. Um, as of now, I think Maxim Grisham... Probably. As of now, I think he's just like the more technical fighter. He's got more skills. He's got way more experience. He can be low output, though, and William Knight can put the pressure on and just start fucking walloping, and Moxon Grisham can get lost in the moment that way. I might change my pick. I'm going to take advantage of that plus 150 number if I do, but I figured I'd reserve this one he's for not, myself I, just in He's case. not at plus 150. He's he's at plus one. Knight is at plus 147, and several sites at 146 and 145. Oh, it's no, changed recently. No one, That's good to no know. No one has him at the 150 threshold. Oh, and, right and that case, in that case, Nick, you can take that pick if you want to. Uh, no, no, no. You've made your selection. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next pick, buddy? Uh, um, what do we got left here? Oh, I forgot. I have to make sure I give myself Hernandez over my condo here. Um, I want to change uh, my pick, Nick. You can change your pick if you want to. I don't want to be a... a, a, a support really really yeah what do you want to what do you want to do instead instead of Maxim Grishin I'm going to go ahead and take Andre Morozov to beat Douglas Silva de Andrade Andrade is dangerous especially early but I think Morozov can diffuse his pressure with kind of a heavy takedown game like he did against Kalita um I think Morozov should take a decision here I, I like the looks of him I think I think he's got the makings of a top 15 level fighter um and I am gonna go with. You're going with William Knight, aren't you? No, I'm gonna fuck with you some more. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Um... Wait, this is the last pick of the night by the of the competition. Oh, it is. Yeah, uh, and but I'm not gonna get two points for him. I. It's a question of do I feel better about AJ Dobson, um, in his UFC debut. Over what Malcolm, who we saw wrestle wrestle the shit out of Abdul Razak Hassan. Uh, I don't feel I don't feel confident about. It. I'm gonna go with Knight over Grishin. It's just uh, cool. he's my man, so I'll roll with him. I respect it, Nick. Unlike unlike your loyalty to Roxanne Matafari, there actually is some in this case, and, and so I respect that. Um, Nick, I am, I'm. <laughs> um, as of now, I'm disagreeing with the pick. Um, I don't feel super strongly about it. I think William Knight by decision is worth, although, man, he has some power in his hands too, but I think William Knight by decision is worth a bit of a throwaway. Some sprinkles on there as long as you're making some uh, more strategic bets um, outside of the couple of sprinklers that I'm suggesting here. Um, I, I actually think that Jacob Malkoon and A.J. Dobson, Dobson looks like a worthy prospect. He's got serious power, but I think Malhoun probably leans on his UFC experience and, and wrestling to grind a decision. Like, 
again, like you mentioned, similar to what he did against Razaka Hassan, right? Presumably this was a wrestling-heavy training camp for Whitaker and Malhoon, Malkoon. So, um, you know, I, I can see him winning because of the lack of experience. But Dobson is a worthy, he's a legit prospect, man. Don't sleep on this guy. He trains under Mark Coleman, trains with Matt Brown, gets some work in at Strong Style MMA, which is Stevie Miocic's camp. So guy gets around, he, he gets his round in. He's got some people that believe in him, uh, like Mark Coleman, who's clearly taken him as, as kind of a, uh, a mentee. So I think there's some things to be expected from Dobson. He can knock him out early, like uh, like Malcoon got knocked out in, in the first round of his uh, UFC debut. And both guys are relatively inexperienced. I just like Malcoon for his uh, wrestling and uh, and uh, and more, just higher level experience in the UFC. Yeah, I'm I'm really split on this. If it comes down to us having to make the decision, I'll make a game time choice. Fair enough. No uh, no strong opinion. Fine. No, Very I well, mean, Nikolai. Either, I want to wait. How what what fights fall off could inform how I pick this. Like I just want to play it play a little close. I feel Unless, that. Is that fair? I, I hear that. Okay. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, so Nick, uh, I'm going to quickly run through the picks. My first pick was Israel Adesanya over Robert Whitaker, even though I don't feel particularly strongly about it. We just tend to pick the main and co-main events uh, on the show first lately. Second pick, Kyler Phillips over Mar- Marcelo Rojo. My third pick was Alex Perez to beat Matt Schnell. Fourth, I took... I don't see my fourth pick. I'm going to go ahead and read my fifth pick. Bobby Green to beat Nasrat Hakprost. Uh, next, I took Jeremiah Wells to beat Mike Matheta. And uh, let me see here. Who else did I have? I had uh, Andre Morozov to beat Douglas Silva Dondrach. Your picks, Nikolai, were Carlos Oberg to beat Fabio Charant. You picked Andre Olovsky to beat Jared Vandera. You picked Derek Brunson to beat Jaron Cannonier. Nice underdog pickup potentially for you there. You picked Casey O'Neill to beat Roxanne Matafari. No goddamn loyalty. You picked William Knight to beat Moxine Grishin, which which I ever so slightly disagree with as of this moment. Um, and you picked uh, Derek Lewis to beat Taito Ivasa. And, of course, Alexander Hernandez to beat Renato Moicano. That'll do it, man. That'll cool. motherfucking do it. Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm, we'll see how the chips fall and what we're looking at. Like after this, what's, what's, uh, what comes up after? What's next, what's Nick? We got Rafael dos Anjos versus Rafael Fiziev. Rafael Fiziev, the two Rafaels at one fifty-five. Nick, I am psyched for this fucking fight. I assume Fiziev is probably a decent size favorite, but a five rounder man, Fiziev, who slows down in that third round, right? Rafael dos Anjos probably not going to be knocked out within the first couple of rounds unless he's really kind of gotten old overnight. So that'll be interesting. Johnny Walker, Jamal Hill, great test for yeah, Jamal Hill. Listen, great test for the both rest guys. Of that main card. The rest of the main cards. Yeah, got Kyle Dawkins, Jamie Pickett, Stevenson could be insane. Joaquin Buckley, Abdul Razak Hassan is gonna should be action. Kyle Dawkins, Jamie Pickett should be action. Yep. Yep. Um, absolutely. Mario Batista, Kelly Taha is gonna be so fucking exciting, dude. That that fight could not be boring if those guys tried. Um, outside yeah, of that, we got cool. Jim Miller, who, who's coming back to uh, to face Nicholas Mota, which I think is a, like a, they tried to set this match up for months now. Parker Porter, my boy. Going up against Alan Baudot, who I think trains with Cyril Ghosn in France. Um, and then we got Gabriel uh, uh, Benitez coming in against the knockout artist and David Onama. So definitely an action fucking we card. We got Jesse like, Jess on the card. Be a bunch of knockouts. Two fight win streak. And if I recall, a ri- very That's close right. fight against Penny Kanzad. So I always like uh, like watching Jesse Jess. And she's going up against Stephanie Egger. 
Yeah, see, Jesse, so. like you've mentioned, some female MMA fighters that you have like a secret crush on. Jesse, Jess is like more my kind of look, you know. Don't yeah, love the I tattoos. Like I don't mind them, I guess. Well, my big Go crush ahead, is the new. Oh my gosh, what's her name? Danielle Kelly. Is that the the jujitsu fighter who had the head the headbutted Carla Esparza accidentally and opened up that big cut? Do you? She's my, um, she's my, uh, oh, my new interesting. All right, that's cute. I'm into it, Nick. Yeah, I mean, she kind of looks like she 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 kind of looks uh, I would say quite a bit like uh, somebody who's upcoming. Hold on, I just uh, she kind of looks like uh, Diana Del Vito. 